Good morning. It's really good to uh, be with you. I know some of you came in uh, after the welcome and announcements, and so uh, if you did, Jerry told us that there's no baby yet, uh, but tomorrow is probably the day. They're heading into the hospital, and uh, tomorrow is probably the day for them to have their baby. So we're excited. And uh, Jerry took the chance this morning to go down and visit some of our Sunday school classes, which he doesn't always have the chance to do. Well, last week, Jerry and I and three other people from our staff, Sally, uh, John, and Betsy, were at a worship conference, and it was wonderful. One of the speakers said this. He said, we don't come to church to receive good advice. We come to hear good news. And the good news is the gospel. And the gospel is that Jesus, as we saw in the video, is truly God's son, that Jesus is alive, that he can make a difference in our lives, and that through Jesus in our lives, we can make a difference in the world. That is why we come to church, to hear the good news. This morning's scripture is from the gospel. It is good news. It's from uh, Mark chapter 4. Let's read it now. This is God's word. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them and the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let us pray. Lord, on this day, may you open our minds to understand your word and move in our hearts to apply it to our lives. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So reading this story, hearing this story, uh, as I was this week, I was thinking about what are some storms that I have been in? And I may have told this before, but one that was probably the most memorable to me when, was when I was about 12 years old. And I was at my friend's uh, Walt Holmes house. Now, Walt's dad and my dad uh, we're teachers and coaches together at the local high school, and we lived close to each other. We were good friends. Now, this day, we were at Walt's house, and as we did on a lot of hot summer days in Dallas, Texas, we're playing wiffle ball in the front yard. You know, you make up your own rules, all that, and it's great. But as the day went along, uh, the sky started to get a little darker, and it was steamy, and it was hot, and a storm was coming in. So we kept playing until finally, even as 12-year-old boys, we decided we should probably go inside the house. But being 12-year-old and having a little bit of mind of my own, I thought, well, I live close enough. Uh, Walt can go in his house, and I'll go to my house. So I got on my bike, but the storm was there. And so as I get on my bike, it seemed as I began to pedal away from uh, Walt's house to go to my house that the sky turned black and closed in and became closer and closer. And about that time, the tornado sirens went off. Now, fortunately, I was only about three or four blocks from my house, but I don't remember ever pe pedaling faster on my bike than I did at that time. 
I made it home, but that wasn't that much safer because nobody was there. I was home alone as a 12-year-old. So I went in and kind of hunkered down in my house. Eventually, the siren stopped and the storm passed. Now, there was a tornado that day in Dallas, and it touched down about four or five miles from my house. But fortunately for me, um, I was safe. And it is as in the story that we read here in Mark, there was certainly a storm that day, and there was certainly fear on my part. So we see that from the disciples as well. There was a storm, and there was fear. Well, what was their storm like? The Sea of Galilee is about 680 feet below sea level. It is surrounded by hills. So it's kind of like uh, water sitting down into a bowl. And scholars say that uh, when wind comes blowing down the hills, it can pick up speed. And so as storms come into the Sea of Galilee, those storms can be really huge. Now we know if we, uh, we know earlier in Mark 3, if we look back, that Jesus had been teaching crowds and uh, he was probably tired. He needed to get some rest. So it doesn't say exactly, but we can assume that he told the guys, hey, let's go out into the boat. I need a break. He falls asleep quickly on the boat. It says on a cushion, probably in the stern, scholars say there oftentimes in these kind of boats, there was a cushion or some carpets where a guest or someone who wasn't one of the fishermen or one of the sailors could go and rest. So he's asleep there in the boat. We also know that at least some of this, the disciples are fishermen, at least Peter, James, and John. And they must have had time where they've seen big storms before, even here on the Sea of Galilee. But it's, this one is big enough that they're afraid. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I read about Peter, oftentimes, you know, I think of a tough guy. He's one of the fishermen. He's probably got, you know, rough hands, unlike my hands, because I'm not doing physical labor. He's, probably, he's a tough guy. And when you read about Peter, he often speaks uh, kind of without a filter. I don't know if you know anyone like that, but that's, that's Peter. So we don't know if it's Peter that says this because it says the disciples say, but the disciples during the storm say, Jesus, you know, don't you care? Uh, you know, we could drown here. Hello. Uh, have you seen the perfect storm with George Clooney? Okay. You know, they die. We could die here. Can you wake up? We've got problems. In fact, they're kind of rude. They wake him up. It says, Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind, and he says, quiet, be still. Now, I wondered if Jesus was uh, loud when he was speaking over the storm, but if you think about it, if the storm is that big and the fishermen are scared, my guess is he can't speak loud enough to speak over the storm. But there's something else. Jesus is God. He was there at the time of creation, and we know that God spoke the world into being. He said, let there be light. So my best guess is, is that Jesus quietly said, quiet, be still. And the wind and the sea obeyed him. Oftentimes, our faith is more caught than taught. It's the things that we see and the things that we observe. What can we catch? What can we observe from the first part of the story? Well, the disciples are frantic and Jesus is asleep. The disciples are scared. Jesus is calm. The disciples say, don't you care about us? And Jesus says, peace, be still. So my sons, uh, Luke and Graham, are learning a lot about writing. They're in the sixth grade. They're uh, uh, 12 years old. And right now they're practicing using similes and metaphors. So I get to read some of their writing, which is, which is a lot of fun. 
The storm in Mark 4, and this story is a real storm, but as in most of Scripture, especially in the story parts of Scripture, it can be a metaphor for our real lives. And as Christians, we are people, as all people do, uh, who experience storms. Now, as Christians too, as we did here, as Liz did a beautiful job a few minutes ago, we pray for each other. It's what we're called to do. And we oftentimes pray for people who are in storms. Here in church, we pray for people who need healing. And as you heard, there were several ZPCers this week who lost elderly parents. We pray for them. But I've often thought, you know, in church, we don't pray for people that much, at least not by name although Liz included them this morning, which I thought was great. But we don't pray for na- by name, people who are dealing maybe with depression or are struggling uh, getting healed from an addiction or they're worried about their finances. We don't lift up their names in prayer in public. But those storms are real in our lives. They're real in everyone's lives at some time or another in different people's lives. So what do we do when faced with those storms? I think we do oftentimes one of two things um, as human beings. Number one, we try to fix it. Um, And I think oftentimes people like us who are here at ZPC, you guys are successful, you're used to having a lot of control in your life, you can fix the problem. What's the problem? I can fix it, right? So we do those things, we try to fix it, but sometimes relational things in our lives are not easily fixed. Health issues are not easily fixed. There's other things in in our lives where we need to ask for help. Others of us who are uh, maybe intellectual, we like to think about our problems. This is kind of like me. So if I have a problem or storms, I I wanna roll it around in my head. I wanna write down the pros and cons of different options. I come up with three solutions. And then I go back and I analyze it again. So, uh, so sometimes I can have a little paralysis by analysis, and when I do that, I end up being like the person that we were, Jesus may have been talking about last week, when he talked in the Gospel of Matthew about not worrying. When we practice too much analysis about our problems, we can get into worry and inaction, and we don't do anything. We can feel fear, and we can feel defeated. Well, this scripture today is a very short passage, so it doesn't say what the disciples did between the time the storm hit and the time they woke up Jesus, but my guess is there's some time there. And you think about it, you know, if they're fishermen, at least the guys who are on there who are fishermen, they're probably trying to do something to fix it. They're trying to change something on the boat. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is not so big that you can't usually see the stores, the, the, uh, the shores. They, they may not have been in that storm, but they're probably trying to figure out, can we get the boat to shore? Uh, can we do something to fix this problem? There may have been other guys on the boat, maybe a tax collectors or some of the other uh, disciples who are in fear and they're trying to analyze it, they're trying to fix it, or maybe they just hunker down and are, are fearful that this may be it for them. But in the end, uh, even though it sounds a little rude the way they wake up Jesus and they say, don't you even care about us? We could drown here. They do go for help. They go to Jesus for help. They wake him up. And I know in our lives sometimes, and it may be for you as well, if you've had some major storms hit your life or hit your family, you may feel that Jesus is asleep um, in your world. You may feel that I've tried to fix it, 
I've tried to analyze it. I don't know what else to do. Maybe I'm asking Jesus now, and I still feel that Jesus is asleep. I would encourage you to keep praying, going to Jesus, asking for his help, asking for others' help in your storms in life. So what happens next in the story? Well, Jesus does calm the storm, and by doing so, he is showing who he really is. We, uh, most Wednesdays at our staff meetings, and I know Jerry has mentioned that, we talk about the scripture that's going to come on this coming Sunday, and so we did that this past Wednesday. And as we talked about this passage, one of our staff members said um, she oftentimes reads this story to her son, that it's probably his favorite Bible story in the children's Bible. And then at the end, the disciples say, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, she says she adds something there, which I think is great. She says, but we know who this is. This is Jesus. He is God. He can control the storm. And I think that's the kind of truth we need to hear our, in our lives as well. So Jesus is beginning to reveal himself to his disciples. He's been healing some people around uh, the countryside and, and where the people are. He's revealing himself as more than just a rabbi. He's beginning to reveal himself that he is truly God. And so when they ask, who is this, they still don't know. They still have some doubts, some lack of faith, but they're beginning to see who Jesus is. And so they go from fear of the storm to really uh, a little bit of sense of fear, or the version we read today, a sense of awe of who Jesus is. And I think that's a good reminder for us. We need to look for those places in our lives. We need to remember the places in our lives where Jesus has been real to us, where we've seen him at work. We need to look for it even this week where we see Jesus at work in our lives. And when we do, we need to be in awe and in reverence and in worship and thanking him for being there in our lives. So as we do that, may our faith increase and may our fear decrease as we realize even who Jesus is in our lives. So the disciples, they say, uh, Jesus says to them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I think what's great and where we can relate to the disciples and where we cannot get discouraged is they're a lot like us. Uh, and this is what part of uh, what I think makes the Bible attractive is that the disciples are believable because they're flawed. It would be easy to call them heroes and heroines, but they mess up a lot. And oftentimes they show a lack of faith, even when Jesus has done, some, done something miraculous. It reminds me of last Sunday, the worry that Jesus talked about um, in Matthew's gospel, that that's something that they show as well. But last week, as we talked about that worry, and we talked about what can you do. Jerry talked about what can we do. We can act to bring about the kingdom of heaven when there's times of worry. Jerry mentioned last week there's an ordinary brown house two doors down from the church. And through uh, the action of some of you, members of this church, again, not a staff person in, or anywhere, that become, that's becoming something extraordinary, the Jeremiah house where some men can come and live, where we can start to bring about the kingdom of God in our ordinary everyday lives. 
So instead of fear, as the disciples were showing, and instead of fear that sometimes I show or that we show when we have storms in our life, we can turn to faith. John, who was probably there as one of the disciples on the boat that day, he says in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So instead of fear, we turn to faith. Now, even though we say that and we say we turn to faith, we turn to Jesus, we can say, you know, well, I, I'm not on a boat with Jesus. He's not right next door. I, you know, I, I can't turn to him. So, so where do we turn in 2015? You know, and if, if you're praying to Jesus and you feel that he's not there for you, where do we turn as Christians today? Well, through our church deacons, we have several ministry teams. And one of these is the hospital team. Now, it's made up some of deacons and others are volunteers. I think a few of them are in the room right now. And they're all wonderful. Uh, one of these volunteers, and I talked to him this week, he gave me permission to tell about this, is Steve. And Steve, a couple of years ago, was on call uh, that week to make hospital visits. But uh, they found out in the church office, I think on Monday of that week, that Steve couldn't make hospital visits because he was in the hospital himself. So the hospital team went into action. And that week, Steve had not one, not two, but three different visits from members of the hospital team to just stop by, to check on him, to pray for him. And he was able to get well and to go home. We fast forward to about a year ago, and Steve's wife had a doctor appointment for a procedure on her back around 11 a.m. on a Thursday. She left the appointment after the procedure. It apparently worked well. But as they left, she immediately started to lose feeling in her legs. It was from some bleeding as a complication of the procedure, and it was around, the bleeding was around her spine. By 2 p.m., Steve had her at the emergency room at St. Vincent's Hospital on 86th Street. And as the doctors checked her out, they eventually moved her from the ER. They admitted her. And by 9 p.m. that night, they had surgeons there to do surgery on her back. Steve said that the doctor came out around 1.30 a.m. the next morning to talk to him after his wife's surgery. And the doctor said he had removed uh, blood clots and done some other things around her spine, but he couldn't promise that she would regain feeling in her legs or would be able to walk again. Members of our hospital team got news of this and visited Steve and his wife during their time there in the ICU at St. Vincent's. But within 18 hours of that, she was regaining feeling in her legs. And after spending eight days in the hospital and some rehab, Steve said she made a remarkable recovery and she continues to get better today. Steve told me that even though he was already on the hospital team, and that he enjoyed making visits, the experience of being in the hospital himself and then have his wife being in the hospital and to have others, sometimes you don't know or don't know very well, to come there and just to come into the room for a few minutes and to pray for you and to pray with you was very moving for him. And it encouraged him and inspired him to keep doing what he was doing. So fast forward again to just uh, less than two months ago. This was late in December, and Steve was on call again to make visits. That day, he was called to a hospital in Carmel to visit a family before I had heard about it or we had heard about it here in the office. And he arrived within 
one minute of a church family as their elderly parent had died, so within a minute of their elderly parent had died, and Steve prayed for them. Then we heard again that within a couple of days, this person whose parent had died was in the hospital. And this time, this person was downtown at the IU Medical Center, and it was over New Year's weekend just last month. Well, I went, I went down that weekend to visit um, our friend who was in the hospital at, at IU Med Center, and I walked in the lobby of IU Med Center, and who do I see? Steve. And he beat me to it. He had already been there, and he was on his way out as I was on my way in. And so he gave me a report of how our friend was doing in the hospital, and he said, now I visited with him and his wife, and I prayed with them, and I'm sure they'd be glad to see you. And I'm kind of thinking, he did my job, you know, I'm supposed to be doing this. He had already beat me to it, but it was wonderful. I got to, to go up and visit the family. But Steve was being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in the midst of someone else's storm when other people had been there in the midst of his storm. During other people's storms and fear, he had been there with hospital visits and prayer. And when, uh, when people ask, where is Jesus, especially in the storms of our lives or when we are afraid, if we know Jesus, we can be his hands and feet. We can be there for each other in the storm. Sometimes it just means going to someone and sitting in silence. Sometimes it might be being there in prayer or with a word or telling a funny story to get your friend to laugh, to be Jesus' hands and feet. But I want to tell you today that you don't have to be on the hospital team. You don't have to be a pastor to represent Jesus to others. We can do this in our everyday lives as the body of Christ as members of church family together, as friends out in the community, we can be the hands and feet of Christ, especially in the midst of life's storms. Last fall here at ZPC, there were some breaking bread groups. They met together for dinner and fellowship, and one of those groups really enjoyed meeting together. So when we started home groups, they added some people to their breaking bread, breaking bread group, and they started a home group. Now, about the week we were starting home groups, which is around January 18th, uh, it was on a Sunday, I heard, that this home group, had, which really hadn't started yet, went out of the worship area, and they stepped into the chapel to pray. And the story goes that one of their members of their group was going to have surgery the next morning. So some of these ZPCers, part of the church family, some who knew each other, some who didn't really know each other, took time on their own initiative. They didn't ask me. They didn't ask Jerry. They didn't ask permission. They gathered around each other and prayed. We can do that for each other in the midst of life storms. We can reach out to each other and be there for each other in our storms and in our fear. The Apostle Paul, sometimes we see that he's a hero of the faith, but if you know Paul's story, uh, Paul certainly had his flaws as well. And he says in Corinthians that he had a thorn in his flesh and was weak. And he says this, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So this, me this week, may we depend on Jesus for his power in the midst 
of our storms and the fears that often come from those storms. And may you be with Jesus in his power, in your weakness, to be there for each other. Let us pray. Lord, we ask uh, this morning that you be there for each of us in the midst of our life's storms. God, we want to pray to you for all those in our congregation right now, some that we named in prayer, that Liz named in prayer, and others that, that uh, we didn't. We pray for them that they would reach out for help and that we can be there for each other in storms and in times of fear to be Jesus' hands and feet to each other. Help us to turn to you, O oh God, to not try to fix everything on our own, and we pray that you will be there for us in time and need as we trust that you will. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.